coffee time Wednesdays. Seaweed. It's really weedy and it's in the ocean. Bloop, bloop. Welcome back to Coffee Time Wednesdays with your favorite host, Nicholas Lirio, your favorite co-host, Ken Boucher, and your favorite co-host to the co-host, also known as Coco, Peyton Scandridge. <laughs> Today, if you guys have never heard us before, what we do is we bring up five topic, three topics, each for five minutes, and uh, we each bring a topic, and we talk about it for five minutes. So now that I've butchered this intro, Peyton... Take us away. I'm still reading. Can someone else? My take goodness, us away? You, you just told me. <laughs> Nick, you went. Talk. Nick, you went last last week. I think you should okay, start okay, us yeah, off. Yeah. I'll go first. I'll go first. So, we have this company that we work with. It's called Vinmon and Seed and Chemical. Guys, I was just hanging out with their owner for a while. They are fascinating. So I kind of wanted to talk about the history of this random little seed and chemical store. That if you saw them on like the side of the highway, they look like just like a little ma and pa shop. So it was started 72 years ago when uh, I, I think it was Tim Van Monen's grandpa, I think, but I'm not totally sure. Tim owns it now, and his son is old enough to be working there and doing a lot of the work as well. And my cousin works there. Shout out to Steven. Um, so Tim works there now, and I guess 70 years ago, it was just Van Monen Seed. And then in, I think, the 70s or 80s they started selling chemicals as well when chemicals started becoming more popular well i asked him well how in the world did you get through the the farming crisis in the 80s and he said they actually thrived in the 80s during the because they were the only place that you could get seed corn so they had corn and beans at the time and then i think in the 90s they got rid of their corn and beans so they do like small grains and cover crops they do waterway mixes pasture mixes they do uh they do cover crops um and uh but their big thing now is chemicals right chemicals are getting really popular and so in the 80s they start doing chemicals and then the 90s it starts growing and uh but so i was talking to him about this like what's up with how most of your clientele is older and then they're skipping a generation and going to their grandchildren. Mm, yeah, good question. And he said that it was a very interesting time for them because the uh, grandkids can go to the internet. Like o- older farmers, while they're stuck in their ways, one of the good things about being stuck in your ways, you tend to be loyal, like interpersonal right. loyalty. So they're they're really loyal and Tim tries to treat them really fairly. Well, and Tim... They Vinmont and Seed and Chemical moves enough product that they get you know bulk discounts from huge companies like Bayer and and um, oh not Monsanto what's the other one not Corteva that's Pioneer Pioneer no that's a seed company I don't know but they um, get these giant giant discounts from these uh, from these chemical companies and so they're able to be pretty competitively priced but the reason they have to be competitively priced is they are um, they are working against people on the internet posting stuff jeff bezos good old jeff Be- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bezos so, selling selling roundup over over <laughs> amazon hey, look that up peyton see if you can buy like a little jug of roundup on amazon i bet you can i you can get it at walmart i'm not going to because i already know you can you can there's no way you can't dude, dude unless like the post office is a log and shipping you know we're about to find something out you can make a bomb going with. under because of amazon Sorry, Tim. But, this is our fault. So, so uh, what did he say though? So, with was did he notice like a gap in? You definitely can buy Roundup on, but it's diluted and it's like thirty dollars. 
did did uh, Tim talk about like a gap in knowledge for? No, it was more just that these young guys were they they didn't have the loyalty. So in order to get them, you have to have good price. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, and something really interesting about it is uh, he said that their margins, really high margins, ten percent, but they're shooting like their goal six percent margins. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the idea with uh, Vinmon and Seed and Chemical. We really like them as a company. We buy chemicals from them. Sometimes we get like smaller pasture mixes because we do we do cool season and warm season mix. Um, but they're our supplier for the cool season half of the mix, and then we grow the warm season half. Uh, but it's interesting they've had to evolve. They went from just like a a small grain company to doing small grain and corn and beans then they did small grain and corn and beans and chemical then they dropped corn and beans so and now they do very little small grain and they almost only do chemical and they push um they push chemicals they did it to every border even into missouri into illinois into minnesota because they were some they were one of the only companies that was doing it in um i think the 90s and into like early 2000s but then the internet started coming around and he said that young people could see that only three people were doing it in all of iowa right and so you've got to uh you've got these people that are like well we're 80 miles from the nearest one why don't we just start a company and and pull in a little bit of the profit so he said you compete with a lot of those guys but uh but since there's been like fungicides which has been in the last decade become more of a thing there's more he said over the past 70 years, farmers have had to pay more to get more outputs, right? So paying more means Vinmonen gets, even though the farmer's pie is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, Vinmonen's cut of that just grows with um, with the pie. Not because they're being unfair or anything. Uh, Vinmonen is just a middleman. They just help you get the product from the big companies. The big companies are the ones, you know, taking most of the pie and Vinmonen gets 6%. You know, I want to throw in something real quick here too. And you use that term middleman. That's oftentimes viewed as like a very negative, you know, like dirty industry term. But in a lot of cases, middlemen are incredibly important because they're the one dealing directly with the customers. You know, yeah. they, they can answer questions. If everything had to get referred to a giant corporation, you'd be waiting in line forever to have yep. your question answered or have a, a need met. So. You could almost call them distributors. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, we use a middleman for insurance, even though insurance is one of my least favorite industries in the world. But because I don't want to try and call uh, right. some big insurance company and try and get a hold of some agent that I've never worked with before. I like Jesse. Jesse's my guy. He's who I hang out with. But th- that brings up an interesting question. So my wife works at The Well. The Well is a resource center where people come if they're really struggling in life and they need help in different things. Sometimes it's monetarily. Sometimes it's counseling. You know, sometimes it's faith things. But a big uh, big part of their income is they have a, several thrift stores. And, and every once in a while, the thrift store has furniture that goes 80% off. And I told my wife, what you should do is you should take a picture of that furniture in the store post it on Facebook Marketplace for the normal price, and then you get that 80% off thing. And she didn't feel good about that. And I told her, well, if you're still paying the well their price, you're just a middleman. You're just marketing. What do you guys think? It's fine. It's not. You're not going to win any humanitarian awards off it. <laughs> but like, the well's getting... They want the furniture gone because it's 80% yeah. off. They want and it they out want of there. And they want the 20%. Danielle's getting out of there. She's making her money. 
this person on Facebook Marketplace is like, oh, I found a great couch. This is great. Everyone's happy. It's fine. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I, it feels a little weird to me, but people I mean, with logically, it's logically, it's, I agree. It's, it makes tons of sense, but you're not. I feel the, like everybody's winning. You're not. No, you're, the, you're not winning the Nobel Peace Prize. It's fine. Well, gets what they need. I'm not disagreeing. You're fine. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable talking about another business so much on <laughs> and their ethics. Okay. Anyway, if you're looking for chemicals. Go to Vinmon and Seed and Chemical. They got they got a great product out of Lighten slash Oskaloosa slash Pella, Iowa. Anyway, Kent, what do you got? Well, uh, I'm going to jump the state border over to our neighbors to the east. Oh, no. And uh, go over to Illinois, which I, I want to say this. Illinois is a much better state than what uh, people uh, think about it. Um but the fact that's that that's for another that, that, that's for that's for another that's for another time uh basically talking about education but uh what i want to focus on today is this current event in the prairie world um the uh how do we say this here the destruction of the uh, bell bowl prairie uh near rockford illinois and uh it was a project that uh, just fell victim to the expansion of a small uh, little uh, airport there in Rockford. And uh, if you don't, if you aren't familiar with where Rockford is, it's pretty close to Chicago. Uh, it's, um, I don't know, maybe an hour from Chicago uh, and it's west of Chicago. So why do they need a bigger airport? Is it like an eminent domain well, thing? Well, <laughs> I don't think so. We're, we're going to do some more research into this and do like a full podcast on the background story. And that's not really what I, you know, want to focus on in a short episode like this. But, but, uh, it, from my understanding, the airport was maybe picking up some more, uh, business with like, uh, transferring, uh, luggage and parcels, you know, so maybe like a, a mail service or like maybe expanding with, with like a U with UPS or FedEx or something like that. And so they needed in their minds, they needed, I should say, um, they wanted a, a, uh, expanded cargo like road system on the campus of the airport and this prairie remnant. So a remnant means never, uh, disturbed from its original condition. The, at least the roots and the seed bank are still intact. It hasn't seen a plow, hasn't been nuked with chemical um, to where you've killed off all those original plants. They're still there, right? And so they had about a 15-acre piece of remnant. And uh, Illinois is like Iowa in that it was once the majority of it covered in prairie and now just a tiny, tiny fraction of that original prairie remains. And the key word there is original. I've misstated this previously on the podcast before because uh, there are there is a certain number. I mean, you could look at almost every uh, CRP planting that's been done with native seeding as part of a reconstructed prairie. And so we do have a lot of those acres, not near as much as what we did in native prairie at one time in both these states. 
But as far as remnant prairie goes, that's almost zero. I mean, both in Iowa and in Illinois. 2,500 acres left in Illinois out of the original 22 million as according to Illinois.gov. Yeah, yeah. And 2,500 acres might be, oh, that's a lot. Well, there's a lot of farmers that farm more than 2,500 acres. And so we're talking if you took all the remnant prairie in one of our biggest states in our country and and uh, put it all together – it'd be less than what one farmer, you know, farms in Illinois. So it's, it's a tiny, tiny scrap that's left. And uh, it just got smaller because as of Thursday last week, uh, the, the Rockford uh, airport, I don't remember the exact name. Again, we'll have more details on those specifics in a future episode, but they received their final clearance because obviously there was opposition to this airport expansion plan to eliminate a large portion of that prairie, of that 15-acre prairie. I believe they eliminated like nine acres of it. Um, There was like a lawsuit trying to put a stop on it, and they did for like two years, and they wanted to continue to like put restraining orders in and and so forth, but it it eventually uh, didn't happen any the yeah. stall didn't happen any further and as of thursday they went ahead and ran a dozer through it and so kent's about to do more research on it but i want to for the record i want to say what my guess is that happened is the airport went to the local government and said look at the money that could be made. yes so that's that's what's talked about a lot is well there's gonna be all these temporary jobs for construction workers working on the the airport and then we believe because we've upped the you know capacity to handle all these additional packages and so forth or whatever it is they're wanting to move through there, um, you know we have a lot of permanent jobs that can mm-hmm. come from this too. And so once again, you know you can go back to even what Nick was saying about working with a small company, uh, like an older generation did. They know they could probably get it cheaper somewhere, but they trust the guy running the company, or in this case. Uh, preserve something that's almost totally gone even though it may not make financial sense it's because there's value out there beyond just the dollar and uh, we talk about that all the time on the podcast and so you know these little remnants they're truly jewels they're 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 you know a prized relic or they should be uh and once it's gone it's gone forever you can't you can't have that again and even in our our prairie reconstruction efforts, which are super important and super valuable, it's not the same thing as a remnant prairie. Uh, for for prairie for true remnant prairie to be what it is, it had to be unchanged for thousands of years. And uh, even you know a, a twenty five year old prairie plant, you know reconstruction plant planting in Illinois or Iowa, that's great, and especially it's even better if it's well taken care of, but it's still not the same thing as those remnants. And the diversity of these remnants. Yes. I mean, even our best CRP plots that we've put down, it pales in comparison to yeah. how the how many species yep. um, are in these and how well-developed yeah. um, they are. And like some of these remnants have plants that you can't find anywhere else in the world in these little you know 15-acre yeah. plots. And they're basically impossible to, yeah. um, to propagate or to farm. So we can't produce them, uh, and so it's like, Yet. well, you get them in your remnants, and and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you know, so where's the lesson? All of this, you know, there's part of it there, like what Peyton just mentioned, part of it with seeing value beyond the dollar, but but also have you know have a preservationist mindset in some, in, you know, conservation and preservation are 
two different things. But sometimes just outright preservation is needed, you know, where you're just saying, nope, we're preserving that. We're not, we're not ever going to mess with it. And that's, in my opinion, what should have been done with the Bell Bowl Prairie. And, um, you know, you probably could go back. This is total speculation here. But you could probably go back to when they first put in that airport there. There was probably some people that were like, oh, next thing you're going to do is then you're going to take up this land and then that land. And then, you know what, we got a whole metro area here that was once, you know, countryside. And people would be like, oh, there's a slippery slope fallacy. Uh, but I'm here to tell you that the slippery slope fallacy is a fallacy in of itself because when the cookie starts to crumble, it just keeps crumbling in most of these issues. And, uh, um, you know, so nine acres today, who knows? I imagine probably in, in the next generation, the it'll be the Bell Bowl what? Guys, that was very interesting. And look forward to Kent doing a little more research on a future podcast. Um, we are... Uh, at 16 minutes and we're at 17 minutes so that's okay i can do a quick little story if you want do you guys okay real quick i could talk about you know seaweed some invasive seaweed or i could talk about the bezos yacht situation yeah because while it doesn't make you you know talk about conservation it'll make us feel good (laughs) okay (laughs) make us feel good Peyton. Have you guys heard about uh jeff bezos the yacht situation i I think i've talked to you about this built it they that they were going to dismantle this. Yeah, okay. I got gotcha. you. So Jeff Bezos, Bezos, right? was like, I'm going to build the biggest yacht anyone's ever seen. It's going to be massive. So, right. He builds this thing in this like lake or whatever in some Northern European, Swedish, I don't know, some country. Um, and basically he got to deal with the government to disassemble this bridge. Um, so he get the yacht, this biggest yacht ever, like literally the biggest yacht ever out of this place. And then the government says, after he builds this yacht, yeah, we changed our mind. We uh, this bridge is a national landmark. We can't, we can't do that. So I think to this day, he still has this yacht, <laughs> this massive yacht. He should turn it into one of those cheap seafood restaurants, you know, like and that's a, like a step up from uh, Long John Silver's. You can just, yeah. you can like, yeah, you can walk on off the dock right onto Bezos' yeah. yacht and. And now, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with conservation, but you're pulling one over on the big guy, and it kind of makes you feel kind of good. <laughs> all right, all right, real quick. His yacht cost $500 million. Um, Is it still in there? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't even want to deep dive into that. Dude. I'm telling you, just turn it into one of those, those you know, call it the Krusty Krab 2. <laughs> Where people can come aboard and buy McDonald's. <laughs> That's or right. Yeah. Those are your two options. But, All the uh, food is ordered directly off of Amazon. <laughs> but since Nick is so worried about time, tune in next week to find out what happens with the seaweed. Seaweed. It's really weedy and it's in the ocean. Bloop, bloop. <laughs>